0: Lord, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for this opportunity we have to worship you in song and just come before your presence. We ask that you guide and lead as we worship. We thank you for this time to look at your word and see what you would have us to learn from all of this. And we just thank you in Jesus' name, amen. All right, Colossians chapter 1. I think we're going to finish off this uh, sentence today. in uh, verse 21 we're going to start reading there we're going to read the whole sentence for context again and you that were at one time alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works yet now has he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death and to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight if you continue in the faith and remember that should be since you continue in the faith Grounded and settled and not moved away from the hope of the gospel, which you have heard, and which was preached to every creature which is under the sun, whereof I, Paul, am made a minister, who now rejoice in my suffering for you to fill up that which is behind and of their afflictions of Christ in my flesh and in it for his body's sake, which is the church. Whereof I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God even the mystery which has been hid from ages and from generations but now is made manifest to to his saints to whom God will would make known what is the riches of the glory of the mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory, whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom, that we may present every man perfect in Jesus Christ. We're unto also labor, striving according to his working, which works in me mightily. So we're going to look at this. Uh, Paul continues here, and he says, Where?" Or I am a minister according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you. This interesting word, minister, is the same word as servant. Paul says, I'm your servant. And you know, this is what God teaches for leaders, is that leaders in his realm are not people that lorded over people, I and mean, people have all worked for somebody or seen the boss who is a tyrant. You're going to do it because they said you're going to do it. No reason, no 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 understanding. Just do it because. Uh, many kings ruled that way. You know the old the old adage, "Off with their head." You know from the Queen of Hearts, and you know was not too far fetched for the monarchy. If you didn't do what they wanted, you could lose your life at the very at the very worst, you could be thrown in the dungeons, and their dungeons were not nice places to go. You were probably better off with your head chopped off uh, than going into many of their dungeons. But Paul says he's a servant, a servant to the church, somebody who is to care for the people. And this is very important for us to understand is that we are servants one to another. You know, if you think you're somebody special in the church, you don't have the right attitude. <laughs> We're to love one another, we're to serve one another. And then he uses this word dispensation, and this really is not a hard word, it really just means the management of a, of a housekeeping, a steward, so he says I'm a servant to manage God's house. And this is what pastors are supposed to be, they're to love the body of Christ, they're to serve the body of Christ. You know, and there are some churches out there where the pastors think they're God and king of everything and need to be served and everything, and that's not what God calls for them. They're to love people, they're to serve the the body that they're given, and it's quite a calling that we're given to even just for us as Christians in general to serve one another, to do what's best for others. And when we work on serving others, God is revealed. And you know the thing I've learned over the years is the more I serve others, the the better life seems to be anyway. If everything is not about me, life becomes pretty easy. Most of the world, everything's about them. I didn't get the promotion. I didn't get this. I didn't get that. And now I am miserable. And if all you're looking for is making sure that others are served and it's not about you, life gets pretty easy. And that's what God calls us to do is to, to live for something for others. You know, helping build others up. Putting others first. When somebody has something good, be thankful that something good happened to them. You know, and unfortunately the world usually gets, well, I didn't get the new car, or I didn't get the new job, or I didn't get this. And they get very miserable when somebody else's gets blessed. You know, or they get even worse. Well, now they've got something out, now I gotta go get a new <laughs> house, car, furniture, whatever it might be that you, they're now jealous about. And then we live in an age where we have advertising agencies which try to make us think that we have needs that we didn't know we needed. You know, pretty dangerous to read a newspaper or a magazine or watch TV because you're going to have all these commercials out there telling you all about the things you never knew that you needed that now you can't live without because they've convinced you you have to have it. And you didn't know you needed it. And it's kind of an amazing thing how much we didn't need Back before we had television, and all these com- places telling us what we need. And you know, we're to look at God and say, God, what is important? And he says, which is given to me for you. Given. We are given a task by God. And you know, we need to keep this in mind. God has given us a reason to be here. That reason is to spread the gospel and the good news to others and to live a life that draws people to God. Because if it wasn't for us to need to, ju- to present the gospel to others, when you got saved, you'd go to heaven. The only problem is I don't know how you'd get saved if somebody wasn't there to present it to you. So we're here to present the gospel. Now, God could use all kinds of different means to present the gospel, but he uses imperfect human beings, people like me, <laughs> to present the gospel, and you. So that we lift up the word, we tell people about the word of God. And you know, the good news for us is that we're not responsible for the results, all we do is share. You know, and it's very important, Paul even said, you know, I water, Peter uh, Peter planted, I water and Apollo's reaped, or I may have got the order wrong, but it really doesn't matter, because his point was, you don't know what part you have in the presentation. Are you the one planting the seed? Are you the first one that's ever talked to that person about Jesus? You know, amazingly, that happens a lot in this country now. It's an amazing fact that a lot of people in this country do not know anything about the Bible at all. They don't know any of the stories from the Bible. They don't know who Jesus really is. They don't know that we're sinners. Uh, Back in the 80s, I took a class in the college on english and they they referred to a story and it referred to a bible story and they were trying to figure out what the story meant you know what what the what the reference to the bible character was all about and man i heard some really strange stories <laughs> as people were throwing out all kinds of all kinds of information you know but i was able to stand up and I go i can tell you exactly what this reference is because it's a biblical reference <laughs> And I go, I just even happen to have a Bible with me and I'll read it to you. (laughs) So we read them the reference and all of a sudden the whole story to them made sense, but they did not know anything about the Bible. And these are college educated people, not, not people that can't read or write. Our world does not know the Bible anymore. Our job is to start making sure they do. Our job is to make sure that people know. And this is why I've shared with people Even if you don't think you know much about God and the gospel and the Bible, you probably know more than most of the people you're going to talk to. Because you've sat in this church for a little while. You've listened to the preaching. You've read the Bible through on the the Bible reading schedule. For most of the people you talk to, you know more than they know about God. And I want to get you that confidence that you can talk to. And you start talking to people, you're going to find out you know more. You know, they'll tell you some really strange stories about the Bible they'll tell you well I know this is in the Bible I go I know I've read the Bible a whole lot of times and that is not in the Bible you know little things like you know the phrase in America that's very popular God helps those who help themselves sounds like a really great phrase really plays to the flesh you know if I do all I can God will help me that's not biblical matter of fact it's the opposite of the, what the Bible says God says if you give up your strength and you surrender and you let your flesh be killed then I will give you the strength to get through this issue whatever that issue might be our problem in most of our walk is that we're too strong even when we're weak and we know we're weak we're still too strong because God says give up your rights give up what you think you can do and serve me let it go let it let it go from there And he says, the job is to fulfill the Word of God or to fill up to the full the Word of God. That's what teachers' jobs are, to teach you so that you'll be filled with God's Word. And to get filled up means I have to fill myself up, then I have something to give out to you. And I do lots of studying. You know, lots of studying each week to to bring these messages. You know, nowadays it's only about three to five hours per message, and s- at five to six messages a week, I spend 30 hours a week just studying. But you know what? I enjoy every minute of it. I love to study God's word, because most of the time when I study, most of what I studied isn't even for you guys, it's for me. <laughs> you know otherwise, you'd be here a lot. We'd be here an awful lot if I gave you everything I learned each week. <laughs> and you guys probably get tired of it after a while, but you know, it would be loving to lovely to just spend time doing it. <laughs> But the job of the teacher is to fulfill and fill every person up. And this word fill means to fill to the top. And one of the greatest blessings I see is as I watch people in this church growing in Christ, becoming more like God, becoming more loving, becoming more patient with one another, and just wanting to love God and to serve. And that is what Paul's saying, that's our job as a pastor and it's a job of us. And he says, even the mystery which has been hid from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest in his saints. A mystery, something hidden. You know, and this is something that is very important. The more if you look at the Old Testament, when I look at the Old Testament, I see so much of God's grace and his mercy in the Old Testament. Now, usually you'll hear people, well, the God of the Old Testament, he was just so angry and vicious with people. Well, yes, he judged unrighteousness pretty harshly. But, oh, how much grace did he have? Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord and was saved from the flood. Rahab found grace in the eyes of God. She was a prostitute in Jericho when it was going to be destroyed and decided she wanted to follow God. And what happened with Rachel, uh, with uh, Rahab? She's in the line of Christ. You know, pretty amazing. You know, a Gentile prostitute who got so much grace that she was put right in the line of the Messiah. The grace that went to David, an adulterer and a murderer, both capital crimes under the law of Moses. And all God did is say, you're going to have a hard time in your life which meant that his whole family had a hard time in their life. His grace, his mercy. And he says, the mystery that is hidden from you, and it says in verse 27, to whom God would make known what the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Do you realize that the mystery of that was that God will dwell in us? wants to dwell in us, fill us completely. And we've talked about this, the idea of being filled with God. How do we get changed in our life is that God fills us and he changes who we are. He brings all of himself in us. And that's an amazing thought that the infinite eternal God dwells completely in us. The fullness of the Godhead bodily dwelleth in the Lord and he dwells in us. What power do we have to live? What power do we have when we talk to people? One of the greatest things when you start talking about the gospel with people is when God takes over your speech. And all of a sudden you're saying things you didn't even know you knew or you're saying things more eloquent than you could ever, ever pronounce them. And you're going, wow, God, you're doing a good job because you step back and you just listen. He's using your voice, your mouth, speaking to them because you've given it up. Very much the way that people wrote the scriptures in the Bible. God used them and spoke through them in their writing and they wrote their style, but God's words. Which is why when we see something from Paul, we see very eloquent, run-on sentences. We see long theological discussions. Then you get somebody like Peter and John who give you very beautiful doctrine of God and very short sentences and very beautiful truths of God and very simple procedures. Why? Because we needed both. We need a book like John to be able to see the simple truth that God loves us, that he died for us. But we also need something like Paul who gives us the elegant dissertation on why these things are true. Now are you going to be ready for Paul's letters right from the beginning? No. When I lead somebody to come to God, I usually will start them in the Gospel of John because it's one of the simplest Gospels to read and yet one of the most intense Gospels. It's one of the simplest and yet the truths in it are so deep that you can spend your entire life just studying the book of John and never run out of things to learn. Now, I don't recommend that because there's a whole lot more in the Bible you need to learn. But, you know, we look at this and say, what is this mystery that God gave us? He wants to dwell in us. The hope of glory, and we've shared many times, the word hope is not, I hope, I think it might happen, it is a confident expectation of glory. He dwells in us to give us a confident expectation that there's a heaven. Confident expectation that he is in charge of all that's going on. When we go through things that seem like they're a problem, the best news that we can remember is God's in charge. You know, just think about this if it seems like everything is going wrong all hell is breaking loose in your life and you don't know what's going on in life your great confident expectation is God's in charge <laughs> he knows what's going on he has planned it he has allowed it and it's for our good even when you look at it and say God I just don't understand how it can be for good because I am confidently sure that it's going to be for good. I watch him make it good. And if I don't see why it's good on this earth, I will see why it was good when I get to heaven and see that somebody got something out of it. Our suffering may not be anything for us. It may just be our confidence when we suffer to to show God that we trust him when somebody else because they look and say, you've got a strength that I don't have. You've got an expectation that I don't have. You've got something that I don't have, and I think I want it. Your house just burnt down, both your cars just blew up, and you lost your job, and you're still not totally depressed. You know, you must be crazy, or you have something that's very strong. I have a God who who is my provider. I have a God who's my provider. He is the one that will keep. He's the one that will bring about blessing. And people look at that and say, wow, you have something. And they'll either say you're crazy or you've got something, and they'll probably go through both, vacillate between both. When Job lost everything, his friends came along and told him he must have been a terrible, awful sinner. What wonderful friends he had. Instead of saying, Job, how can we help you? Or Job, what can we do? for you Job you must you must have really done something bad and the sad thing is when we go through a hard time there are Christians out there or people who name themselves as Christians who will do just what Job's friend do, did Boy, you must be an awful terrible person for all this bad stuff to happen to you and if it hasn't happened to you it probably will happen to you just know that they don't know what they're talking about you know we've said if something bad happens to your life or appears to be bad look at your life and say am I being disciplined If you are, repent, (laughs) turn away from the sin and and go forward and accept the punishment. If it's not, just know that God's trying to teach you something. But honestly, do look at your life. If you've been sinning, you deserve the punishment that comes your way, period. And you're gonna have to live with the consequences of that. But know that God's still for your good. For all things work together for good, not All things that aren't your fault, not some of the things that God decides to, but all things work together for good. Even if they're disciplined for you doing wrong, it will work together for good. Be aware of that. Trust in it. Have that hope, that confident expectation that God is going to work it out for good. And it's hard. I'm not telling you it's easy to do this stuff. It takes training and walking. The more you go through these things, the easier they get. Just as a child, when they're learning to walk, keeps falling down. Then after a while, they don't fall down and you wish they were back to crawling because they get into everything. But you know, we're the same way in our Christianity. We start walking with God and we fall down. We start walking with God and we fall down. Eventually, we don't fall down anymore. Then the next thing you know, we're running. Or playing a sport or dancing or whatever whatever term you want to use for the next step above walking and running it's gone to the next step and that's where we're supposed to get spiritually the more we go through these hard times the more we will grow in God and the closer and more we'll become like him and it's so important in all the times and I've been listening to a number of pastors and it has been the topic this week you grow through the struggles that you live through, and if there were no struggles, you will not grow. Period. If you don't go through struggles, you you can't say I've learned anything. The learning is demonstrated by the tests you go through to demonstrate that you've learned it. I tell you all the time. I one of the jobs I do at the prison mostly is give tests, and then oftentimes they'll go. Well, Mr. Rollins, you can give us one answer. I go, it's not a test for what I know. It's just you guys to show what you know. But you know, that's what our life is made up. When we go through a series of tests, it's not to show what God knows. It's not to show what your your husband or your wife knows. It's not to show what your family knows. It's to show what you know about God. And you know what? Sometimes we fail those tests. But when we fail those tests, we go to God and go, God, I'm really sorry. I really messed up. And... You know, help me to grow, pass it the next time. And when you pass the test, it's like, praise God, I passed the test. <laughs> we had a gentleman who passed GED this week. And as soon as he found out, he ran up and down the hall, jumping up and down and excited, and going, I'm the first one in my family to ever have graduated and gotten, one of, gotten anything with school. Do we get excited when we graduate from God's test? You know, the bad news, there's another test down the road. <laughs> and it's gonna be harder, <laughs> but it's also good news. Because those tests are what teach us to follow God. And you know, the more our eyes are focused on God, the easier the test is. When our eyes are focused on God, you'll go through the hardest storms because your eyes are focused on him. Peter, when he got out of the boat to walk on the water, his eyes focused on Jesus did just fine until it said he noticed the waves. <laughs> And as soon as he noticed the waves, he started sinking. But you know, the good news was, he knew exactly what to do, Lord help me. And Jesus lifted him back out and put him in the boat. We need to keep our eyes on God, and these tests become easy. That's how we, how we go through these tests. And then he goes, in verse 26, let's get the context by going back to 27. To whom God made known the riches of the glory of this mystery, even among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory, which we preach, warning every man and teaching man in all wisdom, that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. The job of a pastor, teacher, even a parent, is to give God's gospel and message to whoever it is they're responsible for. Why? So that we can be present those that we're responsible for to God complete. My job as a pastor is to present those in the church saying I gave the message to them. I lived it out as best I could God and now I'm presenting this church to you complete. As parents our job is to say God here are my children. I gave them the gospel message. Now that doesn't mean they're going to do it right. Just as everybody in the church is not going to do it right. But our job is to share the gospel with our family. And not just the gospel. Once they've accepted Jesus Christ, we're to give them God's word and help them learn to think with God. Learn learn how to do what is right. Now, does that mean when we do our job, they're going to do it right all the time? Absolutely not, because we don't do it right. Our job is just to share it with them. God, I did my job, I shared with them, they, I imparted the, the knowledge to them. And you know what? It's never too late to start, <laughs> you know, because some of you say, well, my kids are all grown. Well, keep doing it with your, kid, your kids, go to your grandkids, go to your great-grandkids. Start working with them, because you know, who knows, if you were able to get hold of your great-grandkids, maybe they'll influence your grandchildren who will then encourage your children. You never know how it might work and how God will use people to win others. Because our children's example can sometimes, when they turn to God in a strong way, can be just what it takes to win the parents. So take and think about this. Who is in your life? Who should you be reaching out with the gospel message? When you're with your great grandkids, tell them Bible stories. tell Tell them the Bible stories. Help them understand how precious God is. Give them something else to think about other than what the world says. Because our job as leaders in our families, leaders and as teachers, leaders as a pastor, is to be able to present those under us and say, God, I did the best I could with them. I shared the gospel with them. and you know, I, I shared with you when we were back in Atlanta. I was singing Christian songs to, to my grandson and You know, telling him Jesus loves him. Of course, he was less than three months old at the time and probably won't remember any of it. But yet, at the same time, I'm speaking the words of God over him. And I guarantee when I see him as he gets older, he's going to have more of the same. More of the same because I want to have input in his life to make sure that he's going to follow God or purposely turn away from God. He's not going to be, well, I never knew. He'll have heard. And our job for all of our family is that. And then he says, Wherefore I also labor, striving according to, to his working, which works in me mightily. You know, when we serve God, when we work for God, this verse is very important. I want you to listen to it again. I also labor, striving according to his working. Who is it that's working through me? Jesus Christ. He does the work for me. All I have to do is put myself in the right place and open my mouth and start speaking. He does the work. And then it goes on in the very part which works in me mightily. Do you realize that God wants to work through you mightily? How many times have you sat down, okay, I'm getting ready to talk to... This uh, relative of mine, they don't know anything about Jesus. What am I going to say? You know, and you plan it all out. And you start speaking, and it all goes wrong. <laughs> Everything you plan doesn't, does, falls on deaf ears and doesn't fall out right. You would have been much better off planning by praying. God, help me find, have the words to speak to this individual. And then let God speak through you. When we take our rewards into heaven, it's not going to be the things I did in my flesh because my flesh is nothing but filthy rags. God says our flesh will not stand in front of him. Even if for some reason I am eloquent, which I am not, and I can make the best argument in the world, it doesn't work. It needs to be God working through us. And we need to let God work through us. We need to let him fill us and let him speak out of us. Let him be the one that directs our path. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not into your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. And sometimes you'll find yourself doing some things that seem really silly. Talking about things that make no sense at all and then all of a sudden God's word comes into it. And I'm They're listening. And you never know what it is that's going to be the touchstone. One moment you're talking about sports, and the next thing they're kneeling in front of and asking Jesus into their life because God took it in a very strange roundabout direction. You're talking about just loving things, and all the next thing you know they're confessing sins and, and going forward in a revival. We never know exactly what it is that's going to touch people. I can tell you most every time I stand up here, I have notes and none of them ever go the way I plan it. Uh, Pretty amazing. I put notes together and all of a sudden, the next thing I know, I'm talking about something totally different. Usually something I've studied, but not always. It could be something I've studied in the past. But I want God to be the one that touches people and makes life so important. And I wanna just challenge each person in here. Follow God. Ask him in your heart, because without him, we deserve nothing. We deserve, well, we deserve nothing good. We we deserve hell. That's what we deserve. Even when we think we're doing pretty good stuff, we deserve hell. It's him working through us. It's him filling us. It's him putting us in Christ Jesus. The good news is when God the Father looks at us, who does he see? He sees Jesus' righteousness. Righteousness. Because we are placed in Christ. That's the good news. That was the mystery hidden from the Jews for all those times. They went to the temple. They offered sacrifices so that blood would cover their sins for a year. I am so glad that we don't have to go offer a sacrifice every year for the sins that we commit. Jesus was the sacrifice that cleansed from sin. His blood covered all sin. We accept that gift. Now, many, many will reject that gift. No, God, I don't want your pardon. I just want to, I want to try to stand on my own. And they'll be sent to hell. They'll get what they want. God, I don't want your pardon. I'll go take whatever, whatever the consequences are, which is hell for eternity. But to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And remember, it needs to be Lord, which means master. It means follow whatever it is he's asking you to do. And that's going to be different for every single person because God has an individualized plan for each one of us. He knows your strengths. He knows your weaknesses. He knows who you can talk to and reach where somebody else would have a harder time reaching them. But he's given you the opportunity to present him to others. We're going to close in prayer. Lord, we just thank you for this day. Lord, we ask that you help us to... Let you rule in our life. Help us to just let you show us who to talk to and what to say. Lord, give us a burden for our loved ones, our family, friends that need to hear about you. Help us to relent our pride and be willing to share. Lord, pride keeps us from sharing because we're afraid that somebody will think we're a religious nut or fanatic. Break our pride so that we will share, especially with family and friends. And help us go forward in all that we do. In Jesus' name, amen.